All right, he's uh, co-written this story in the City Morning Herald today under the headline, Players Threaten to Disrupt Trial Matches If Demands Aren't Met. Adam Pinkgilly from the Herald joins us now. Morning, Adam. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Just a quick hat tip to John O'Jared. Did he play some audio of Ricky Walford a little bit earlier then? Um, coming out of the, the news, out of the break. He, oh. he was my favourite player growing up, Ricky Walford. Yeah, the Panther. Yeah, he was quick, Good wasn't man. he? Was. Yeah, very quick. Very, very quick. What about when you had two of the speedsters of the game on the wings with him and Martin Offia? Yeah, I know. What year would that have been? 91, two? Early 90s, I think, Loz. You know better than me. Um, But I I used to love Ricky Walford. He was like, as a young kid growing up, I used to idolise him. Loved loved his try scoring. Loved how fast he was being a St. George fan growing up. So, yeah, well done to Jono. He's played the right audio today. <laughs> he started at the Roosters, though, Rick, didn't he? Before he, he did, went, yeah, yeah, he did. I'm pretty sure he did, Loz. Yeah, yeah. And he's still doing a bit of work. In, he's done a lot of work in the Indigenous sort of sector, I suppose. He does, once, he, yep. once he finished playing, he's, he's a good man. No, he's, he's a, a good champion. Man. He is a champion. Uh, okay, where's this all going to land in regards to this story you've uh, co-written and uh, the RLPA uh, essentially threatening, well, it's not strike action, but certainly some action. Oh, it's an escalation, Jared, isn't it, really, if, if it gets to that point. So, yeah, we wrote a story for the Herald Online yesterday that they've sort of um, made a request that three key conditions of the CBA be met by a close of business today. Otherwise, they're going to start demonstrating some action in these trial games over the course of the weekend. Two of those relate to the, the women's game. They want, obviously, the, the clarity around the women's game in terms of the salary cap and all the financial aspects of that, as well as some non-financial conditions of the CBA. Uh, I think... From all reports, both parties are pretty close to coming to agreement on, on some of the stuff around the, the women's game, and that obviously needs to be absolute priority given that you know, no clubs have been able to sign a women's player yet. We've got a season on later this season, later this year, so that, that's a huge issue. The third part for me is a really interesting one because the RLPA want autonomy over their own finances and want to determine how they spend their own money that's funded to them by the NRL. Now, I think the NRL's in for a fight on this one. I think they want to determine how that money is sort of broken up and what pathways and programs and everything like that is going to be spent on. So the RLPA and the players... How much money that, are they asking for, Adam, do you know? Uh, well, it's, about, it's roughly about $90 million over five years. Uh, and that's for all their player-related programs like you know injury hardship, medical retirement, well-being, all that sort of stuff. So it's a significant amount of money. It's probably a bit less than $20 million a year over the next five years. Um, the NRL sort of say, well, hey... If we've got that money, we want to have a say on where it's going where to be it's spent. When it's, yeah. yeah, when it's going to hand over that money to you and expect you to, to spend it wherever you want to spend it because you could change your mind and put it into this or put it into that. So they're definitely butting heads on this issue. But what the players have discussed, and I'm led to believe this was discussed at their meeting last Friday, that infamous meeting, <laughs> a forum or conference I had last Friday, well, if we don't get agreement on these certain issues by a close of business on Thursday, we're going to start delaying kickoff games, uh, kickoff in these trial games over the course of the weekend. We're going to be covering up the NRL logos. Um, there's a whole raft of things that they've discussed. So um, whether we get to that point tonight, because we've got the first trial game tonight, yeah. don't we? But what's the difference if they delay it for half an hour or an hour? Oh, I don't know, Loz. It probably just mucks up the broadcast schedule or something yeah, like that. I, I suppose but you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not peeing off. Well, you are peeing off the NRL, but you're peeing off the broadcasters, uh, broadcasters and the fans more so. Yeah. What, are, yeah. what else can they do? At it? What else can the, like the, to me, because I've been in this situation, mm. whatever the players do, they're going to get smacked. They're going to get, they can't win this battle. Mm. From now, a PR point of view. From a PR point of view. Now, the fans are what makes, you know, the NRL, the NRL. Yes, you need mm. the players, don't get me wrong, and I understand what they're fighting for, but what else 
could they do in this situation to, apart from the whole strike or start the game, like that's what the fans don't want. That's where you're mm. not going to win. But what other options do they have? It's a very good question, Clarky, because I don't know the answer to that if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, you do, you, I suppose the next escalation or next action is, is getting close. It's getting closer and closer to, to strike. Action the stri- the strike is just an absolute. Del- like I remember our conversations with the cricket side, and mm. when we were even saying that out loud, that was coming out of our mouths. I was like, uh-uh. the, 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 there has to be another. Mm. You cannot strike. You rule. No. You can. You, you the potential to ruin the sport forever. Like, yeah. it's not just about, so right now you're fighting for, for you and your teammates with the vision of, you know, a better future, but you forget what's come before you as well. Mm. Yeah, you know about, what I mean? The other thing about striking, though, is that you don't get paid. Mate. And if you've got big mortgages that have yeah. to be yep. fulfilled. <laughs> you, you, trouble. You, you, no you, one you wins with a strike, a though, No, no one wins. No one wins. But, uh, again, I, I understand the players pushing because that's what a – Players Association does. Yep. You know, you've got to have a strong association. You've got to be united. Yeah. And you've got to present as one, and you're after the best rights you possibly can get. Um, but I also know that you can only get so much of the pie. Yeah. And, and I just don't know where it's all going to end because, like, if they delay the game for half an hour, yeah, yeah we'll piece people off. But does, what does it really do? Mm. What does mm. it really do? And, and this text here says it all. I mean, uh, please, no disruption this weekend. We in Maruya are having the first NRL game at you know, Aquayman Oval in decades. The town mm. is buzzing. Regards China Plate. I mean, yeah. imagine yeah. going to Maruya. My yeah. God. Yeah. And I'm and, all and, for the players. I want the players to do yeah. well out of the game, yeah. and I want them to get the best possible deal they can get done. What else? That, but that's, but that's my question. What, what, do what do? else can they what do? What do they do? What else is there for them to do to, um, you know, to show how important this is for them? Now, now, Loz, I was only thinking about this yesterday, and I'm pretty sure you went through something similar with the last, last CBA, didn't you? Because you were coaching the Origin team when it all when it all kicked off last time, and weren't they wearing? Oh, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I'm pretty sure weren't they wearing the green tape, and then they put on all those hats at a hats. Press that's exactly and, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like it's it's not we're not in completely unfamiliar territory here uh, with players obviously showing their displeasure and I suppose frustration with the NRL, but. I suppose the issue with can, this can one I, is... Uh, sorry. No, go, go, Adam. I was going to say, Lodz, we're, we're so far past yeah. the last expiry of the last CBA. Like we're, we're, we're four or five months or three or four months at least past the last expiry, and we're right on the doorstep yeah. of the next season, which is a bit yeah. unprecedented. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You, you, know, you might be able to tell me, Adam, yeah, players are united, but before the salary cap was bumped up to what it is now, mm. the clubs and the players were together. Mm-hmm. Where do the clubs stand now that they've got their salary cap issues sorted? Are they yeah. supporting the players or are they more on the NRL side now going, come on, players, just just play. You've got your, yeah, so, you've got your in- increase. Where, where are so, they standing on it all? Certainly before Christmas and sort of late last year, I think there was definitely a united front between the clubs and the players. I don't think there was any doubt about that. But obviously the NRL sorted out the club funding arrangements primarily with the clubs in, in the first instance. I think right now... I think a lot of the clubs still support the players. I dare say the majority of clubs still support the players. But I think it would be fair to say that there's probably a couple or at least a few saying, come on, guys, let's just get this sorted. We need to move on now. Um, I, th- I think both of these parties were very much united in the first instance. But, it, it, of course, there's going to be some clubs that are going to break away a little bit and say, come on, guys, we've just got to get this done. Let's move on with this. So, 
Yeah, it's fascinating. The one thing is, though, is that they haven't announced the club funding arrangements yet, and the clubs have said we're not going to announce anything until the players got their stuff done. So that's a pretty good indication that the majority of the clubs are still aligned with the players. But I just hope we can get this sorted. I just really do, because it's just gone on for way too long, hasn't it? Certainly has. Let's talk some racing and uh, the Piero Plate on Saturday. Race one on the card, and Peter and Paul Snowden have their two, well, I guess, top seeds now for the Golden Slipper entered. But uh, James McDonald set to ride Don Corleone, not King's Gambit, and uh, no jockey yet for King's Gambit. Yeah, I'd imagine King's Gambit's going towards another race, potentially, Jared, maybe a Silver Slipper or something like that. But I, I did look at that when the entries were finalised yesterday and sort of piqued my interest straight away. I thought, oh, J-Mac's not riding King's Gambit here, but there's still no jockey declared for, for it. So I'd imagine he's probably heading towards another race. I, I don't know what Peter... I, didn't, I missed that interview Peter had with you guys yesterday, but obviously their two-year-old stocks are absolutely flying at the moment. I, I thought Don Corleone was very, very vulnerable there first up going into the race, but he was, he was outstanding. To win over 1,000 metres in the fashion he did, he looks a legitimate top-tier golden slipper prospect. Now, he's got to do it again, hopefully, you see him there on the weekend, 1,100 metres. And you'd think only getting out in trips is going to make him just, I suppose, even more lethal. So, yeah, can't wait to see him on the weekend. I think we're going to get a massive, massive indication about how this golden slipper picture is going to, going to work out after the weekend with these two races, the Piero Plate and the English Millennium. So we've got a lot, a lot of really nice two-year-olds heading towards those races. So... I'm expecting Don Corleone to stamp himself as a major player for the slipper, and then I imagine we see King's Gambit in a week or two heading towards another race. Why has Zoo Gotcha been scratched from the Light Fingers? Yeah, had a little bit of a setback, Loz. So she's been taken out of the Light Fingers there on the weekend, and we saved for the surround stakes in a couple of weeks' time, which is no big deal, I suppose, for the Chris Wallace stable. Well, that's a Group 1 race. She's probably just missed her first up run, but they'll try and put a bit more work into her, I'd imagine, in the next week or so to get her up to the mark. So. Just a minor little step back and just talking about this light finger stakes, like what a great race is it going to be on the weekend. It is a deep, deep card there at Randwick. We get to see In Secret back at the races, the first time we've seen her since the Coolmore Stud Stakes, so that's going to be exciting to see her. Fireburn, the Golden Super Winners, trying to recapture some of that form from her, from her two-year-old youth. Even a horse like Madame Pomery saw graduate to win a Group 1 last preparation. So it is going to be a fantastic race. And uh, obviously with Sunshine in Paris there too, the up-and-coming for Annabelle Neesham's yard. So on a day, we've got fantastic racing all throughout the card. And the White Finger Stakes is um, clearly right up there as potentially one of the races of the day. We saw this ex-Hong Kong galloper randomly sort of appear in the Everest. <laughs> and then it went down to Flemington, won impressively. Uh, in the carnival down there and it trialled up really well. Joyful Fortunes, the horse we're talking about. Now, after its decent trials, what's what's doing with the horse? Yeah, I was so keen to see him in preparation, Jerry, to see what he could do and progress to, to make that step to Group 2 and a Group 1 sprinter. But unfortunately, Mark Newnham's let Stewart's know he's going to be out for the entire autumn carnival. He's sustained a knee injury. So he's been taken out of all the betting markets. And it's really sad news for Mark because I think this horse had something to offer. And you're right, Jerry, he came from absolutely left field for the Everest last year, didn't you? Like, no one was expecting that to happen. And obviously they picked him up after winning. It was a benchmark 70 down there at Flemington, I think, before yep. the Everest. So, um, yeah, I was very keen to see if he'd make that progression. But unfortunately, he's going to miss the rest of the Autumn Carnival. and have to wait for the spring to hopefully see him back in action. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a good day. See you, boys. We'll chat tomorrow.